East Bay prayer partners, I was like, at first I was like, man, what do I have to give to these people? They've been praying longer than I've been alive. (laughs) (laughs) What do I have to give? But uh, he's just like, he's like, Josh, I've just put stuff in you. So um, just really wanted to share my testimony. Uh, He says that we're overcome by the blood of the lamb and the sharing of our testimonies. I wanted to share my story with you guys tonight Mm -hmm. and just what God's done in my own heart and and my prayer that it is that it would uh, encourage us all. I know that it even encourages me after I've shared it. And just, it's so important to constantly look back and see what God's done. I think that's what the Israelites lost sight of often. And I do too, so often. So, um, Father, I just ask that you would put a fresh fire in our hearts tonight as we look at your word, as we hear what you've done, Lord, in your faithfulness and your kindness to us. Father, I'm asking that you'd remind us of who you are tonight that you would put a fresh fire in our hearts, Lord. We're tired and we're weary and we need you, Lord, to relight a flame in our hearts. Give us fresh fire in Jesus' name. Um, So about five and a half years ago, actually, no, 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 let's not do that. (laughs) Say about 20 years ago, let's say about 20 years ago, so I grew up in a, a religious home, Baptist, Southern Baptist, and uh, I grew up, we went to church on Sundays and we prayed before we had dinner, but my family was kind of religious. I grew up with two younger brothers and an older sister, and uh, we, yeah, we went to church, we ate, and, but my dad was super scary to me, so I, I always was, every time I was home, it was like a scary place to be. And so it was just often occurrence. And, and before I get into this too, I, I really want to honor my dad. And so before I get into all the, the stuff that's, that, that's happened, and I just, I love my dad. I want you to, mm-hmm. I want to honor my dad. He's, he's, uh, he's come a long way and God's encountered him. The same time, I want to share where I've been to where I'm now to show like what God's done. Mm-hmm. And so it's all about what God's done. But sometimes I share my story and the people come up to me after them like your dad should be in jail and all this stuff it's like man I should be in jail too <laughs> and uh, probably you too you know you don't <laughs> but uh, so anyway we grew up in a family my dad was was abusive and so I'd come home and specifically this one um, moment I was in second grade I came home and we got picked up by a nanny that would pick us up from school and I went up to my dad and because I was afraid if I didn't say hi to him, I might get in trouble, so I just figured out I'm going to say hi to my dad, and uh, he was sitting on his chair watching TV, and I went up to him after school, and I said, hey dad, how you doing, how was your day, and he said, good, now go grab me a beer, and uh, so I went and grabbed him a beer, and and I came back and gave it to him, and he looked at me, and he says, now son, go grab the pole, and the pole was where we got whipped in our house, you know, by uh, whatever was in his hand at the moment, usually it was a belt, we were outside working on the ranch. It was a two by four or a switch or whatever it was. But this day it was a belt. And so it was a constant occurrence. I'd be going to the pole, not knowing why I was going to the pole. And so he says, go grab the pole, son. And so I went to go grab the pole and, and he just started whipping me and no explanation of why I'm getting whipped. That's just, was just what we, what I, what we did. And I was just kind of like, I guess this is how life is. After he got done with me, he handed the beer to me he says now go put this back in the fridge close the door open it back up again and get it back to me in three seconds for every second you're late is three more lashings and I go to the fridge I grab it I come back and 
that was five seconds, so I got six lashings, you know, and I go back, you know, I was probably seven seconds that time, and it, it got to the point where he just got tired of whipping me, so he'd send me to my room, and he'd say, you know, turn off all the lights, you know, sit down, crisscross applesauce, and and uh, stare at this uh, dot on the wall, and if I moved or the light was on, I'd get in trouble. And so about four hours, you know, of just sitting on my uh, on my bed looking at a dot, uh, he calls on the intercom. We had an intercom system in my house. And he calls, he says, Josh, come down for dinner. And so I woke up from a little slumber I'm in and I fell flat on my face. I lost all the feeling in my legs. And, um, and so it took me about a minute to gain feeling back in my legs and I was waddling down the stairs and my dad's standing at the bottom just furious. I mean, his face is like bright red. And, and I, you know, he just started, you know, whipping me again. And, and, that, and so we all gathered around for dinner after that. And that was, I would say, that was probably the more extreme, but it, this was the atmosphere that I grew up under. And it was still, we're going to church on Sundays and we're going to pray. And so as we're gathering around the dinner table, my mom says a prayer and, and the dinner table is kind of silent. And, uh, you know, we're having spaghetti that night. And uh, I remember we're just hearing the forks hit the, t- hit the, the plates. And, and my dad kind of breaks the silence. He says, children, do you know why I do what I do? And I, I spoke up. I said, no, I don't. And he said, I do it because the Bible tells me that I need to spare the rod or spoil the child. It's a verse that I found out later. It's actually this poem that was written in the 1700s. Mm-hmm. But... Uh, so he just used these scriptures, you know, to justify kind of some actions. And I remember in that moment that I was like, man, if I can't be good, I can't, I'm just going to be bad. And so I remember like in that moment, I was like, I, I can't relate to a God like this. And so I just ran the other direction and I got in all kinds of trouble. And so I got kicked out of three schools, suspended like 12 times by the time I was an eighth grader for bullying, fighting, vandalizing, cussing teachers out, just an angry feller. And, uh, but I knew that I, I could never get punished as bad as it was at home. So I just did whatever I wanted to at, at school. And, uh, then high school came around. I had been to all the feeder schools to my high school. So by, by the time I was in high school, I knew everybody. So I was a pretty popular kid in high school, which is, you know, I like to say that just so everyone knows, you know, <laughs> not that it means anything, <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, so freshman year of high school, I mean, um, uh, FFA, do you guys, do you do FFA around here? Future Farmers of America. I grew up in Loomis. It's kind of in the uh, foothills of Sacramento. Anyway, we're in FFA class, and there's this little cowgirl. She's got blonde hair and blue eyes. She's wearing cow, cowgirl boots, and I just fell in love with her. I was like, man, if I can get this girl, my life is going to be all right. And so I, I just, you know, went after her. And so I ended up, you know, we became boyfriend and girlfriend, and and uh, our relationship was terrible, absolutely terrible. <laughs> and uh, I just would, uh, you know, take all my anger out on her, all my aggression. I was abused. I was abusing her in every way you can think of. And, and just broken, broken relationship. And uh, she ended up cheating on me about uh, a year into it. She ended up cheating on me with a good friend of mine. And just, again, just ripped my heart out. So this whole high school experience, I'm not talking to my dad um, like at all. There's zero relationship. Every once in a while, we really get into it, fighting. I started taking steroids and and trying to get bigger than my dad so I can beat him up one day. Um, 
But as I'm in this relationship, I start smoking weed, I start drinking, and that's just kind of the culture that you, you often find in, in high schools. And I remember when she cheated on me, I remember just saying, you know what, screw relationships, I'm gonna go just do drugs. Because drugs, they don't yell at me, they don't hit me, they don't cheat on me, you know, I just, and so I just drove, dove headfirst into the drug scene. I started popping pills and smoking, drinking, and and it was a little bit different than like the normal party scene you'd think of. It was more like me and my friends on a Friday night, we'd go to Walmart and we'd steal as many handles as we could and as many pills as we could from the pharmacy there, and and we'd go to someone's garage. And first we'd start by popping the pills and then we'd start by drinking and smoking and whoever passed out first was the winner, basically. And that was, so it wasn't even, like it was past the party scene. I call it the trapping phase. And that's kind of where it was, just, it's just all about drugs. It's all about how much drugs you can take and how fast can you pass out and basically kill yourself. And that was, that was my whole sophomore and junior year. And uh, eventually I had to start dealing drugs to afford my addiction. So I became one of the drug dealers at my high school, just ruining people's lives around me, still getting kicked out of school, kicked out. I, I didn't go to a single dance. I, I didn't make it in. Um, they, had, they have a little drug test before. You get in the doors. I had never made it past one of those. And uh, and so finally it comes to this place where I get kicked out of the junior prom and I get grounded for three months. And uh, I remember the whole three months I was, you know, uh, jumping out my window at nighttime to go party with my friends and then hopping back in around 4 a.m. And then the day I was supposed to get off grounding, I go up to my dad and say, hey, I'm off grounding. It's 4.20. 2016 and he says no your behavior hasn't changed and uh, your grades haven't changed and I remember flipping out on him I cussed him out said I hate you dad I wish you were never alive wish you were never my dad and I left and I started driving around all day long asking myself why are my two feet on the planet and like just getting real with myself and I was looking at my life from a third person perspective and was like man all I'm doing is ruining people's lives selling them drugs, getting people that have never done drugs before, getting them addicted so they can buy from me and I can get more money and then all I'm doing is ruining people's lives. That's all I did. If, if someone ticked me off, I'd go stab their tires, I'd break their window, I'd go find out where they lived and did all kinds of stuff. And so I just started to look at my life and realize there's no reason I'm alive. I should just be dead. And I, so I came home to my... Um, my house later that day after driving around my dad went to the bay area that day and i hated my dad and, and honestly part of it was like i was i was like if i could just kill myself then i'm gonna make my dad suffer for the rest of his life for everything he's done to me mm -hmm. and um and so i came home later that day and my mom was cooking dinner in the kitchen and my mom's like this sweet lady that's kind of held our family together and she's just been loyal and faithful and faithful in prayer and uh, just a sweet lady. And I go up to her and I say, Mom, if life's gonna keep being like this, I'm done, I'm gonna kill myself. And uh, then I went, went to my room to try to figure out how I was gonna do that. And my mom comes to me and she's weeping and I'm weeping and she says, Josh, you need to think about what you're doing with your life. And uh, I remember looking at her and I said, no, Mom, I, I've already thought it through. I know it's best for me, I'm gonna kill myself. And uh, and she's like this little 100-pound lady, so she wasn't physically going to stop me from leaving. 
and she just looked at me with tears in her eyes and she says, Josh, can I pray for you? You know, and and I looked at her, I said, yeah, mom, you pray for me and then I'm gonna leave. If there's a heaven, I'll see you there, but if not, have a good rest of your life. And I remember my mom just laying her hand on my shoulder and, and she just cried out to God like a mom would. And um, she asked God to show me what my life was worth and to take the pain in my heart. And that was the moment where I experienced this man that uh, he uh, he died for me, and he uh, he showed me what who he was that day on 420 2016. And uh, I remember him speaking these this phrase to my heart, and he said, "Son, if you don't want your life, let me have it. Give it to me." And I remember in that moment I, again. I've been going to church my whole life, really. You know, still on a bunch of junk, but going to church, I'd heard all the stories, all the Noah stories, and Moses, Jesus, all this, the Christmas stuff, and but there was something different when I encountered his presence. And it was the, the encounter that changed everything. And I remember that, that moment, I, I gave my life. I said, God, if you can use my life for good, you can have every part of it. And um, so it just, that was, that was where my life began to, to take off. Take off, I mean, it was a slow takeoff. <laughs> but uh, I remember I, I stopped dealing drugs, I stopped popping pills. But smoking weed and drinking was still kind of just part of my life. It was like drinking water for most of us. And it was just something I did. And I remember I was around a stoner circle. About 12 of us were all gathered around and we're all passing the bong, the blunt, whatever it is. And it gets to me and I, I'm smoking and I just start crying. And my friends are like, what in the, are you crying for me? And I'm like, man. I remember just feeling the love of God for my friends. And I'm like, man, Jesus loves you guys so much. And they're like, what are you talking about? They think I am on the moon. They're like, we got to get on the level he's on, man. Let's start smoking more. And so we just keep going around, and I'm just crying. And our, and, and that, you know, that night just kind of went on, like, yeah, the rest of the nights. And then about a week later, we're in the same circle, and the thing gets to me again. And I remember just, um, again, smoking it and... And I started crying, but this was a different cry. It was like a, a godly sorrow. I was like, man, this isn't who I am anymore. I don't even need this anymore. And it started, and then the third time came around, and it comes to me, and I'm like, I just passed it along. And it was like, man, I don't need it. And eventually they caught it. I'm like, why aren't you smoking? I was like, man, I just, I don't even need this stuff anymore. But I love you guys. Jesus loves you. I love you guys. Let's keep hanging out, you know? And they're like, oh, you're getting all religious on us. I was like, no, Jesus loves me and he loves you too and and it wasn't no religious person told me to stop smoking stop drinking it was the love of God that compelled me to just let go of everything because I wanted this thing that encountered my heart and so I just began I just started going on this journey I didn't really have training on it I just started taking steps I'm like God I just want to know you you saved my life I gave you everything I don't you know, I get, I left everything. I didn't, you know, it's been a slow journey where it has us leave things behind. But I just started letting go of things and, and eventually came to, hey, are you, are you willing to let go of your friends? It's like, what are you talking about? These are my boys. I've known them since, you know, some of them since kindergarten. And uh, I remember he's like, man, well, do you trust me? And this phrase, do you trust me? He's just continued to ask me that along the journey. Do you trust me? And, um, I remember saying, yeah, God, I trust you. And so I would just go up to these, these hills I used to smoke on, and I would just open up the Bible. And I remember the first, one, of the first, one of the first Bible verses I started reading in Matthew 6, 6. And he says, 
when you pray, go into your room and close the door and pray to your Father who's unseen, and he who sees what's in secret will reward you. And I'm up on the hill, I'm like, man, do I have to go down and get into my room, or can I pray here, you know? It's like, just get in secret, man, you know, it's good. And uh, so I just started to get to know him, I started to open up Bible verses, but this thing consumed me where I was like, man, this is all or nothing for me. Like this intensity, this intense desire to pursue God with all of my heart consumed my heart, and I began to let go of everything. I said, God, if you, if you could use my life, you can have everything, right? And I remember, so I started going to church group and all these things, and, and that summer I went to this uh, church camp with all these church people. And I, uh, I remember I thought church people were weird, uh, especially guys my age. I was like, man, you guys just play Mario Kart, and that's kind of the, your fun. I'm not into that kind of stuff. But I went to church camp. It was uh, down in San Diego that day, and, or that week. And uh, I'm around 12 guys, like about the same, the stoner circle amount. But we're, we're having small group time, right? And, uh, and about three days in, I don't say a word. Like, I'm just like, who are these people? The third day in, we're in small group time, and my heart just starts pounding. And I remember this urge to share all of my junk with these people. Like everything I just shared with you in five minutes, you know, like share all of that stuff. And I'm like, no way, dude. These are my, I'm trying to make new friends, right? I don't want them to reject me. And I remember, I was like, God, if this voice is you, tell the leader of this conversation to ask if anybody's got anything to say. And within like three seconds, he asked that question. Oh my God, that's wow. If this is really you, have him say it one more time. <laughs> And he did within the next three seconds. He asked again. And so I'm like, you know, shaking my hand. I've got something to say. And they're all excited because I haven't talked in three days. Like, yeah, Josh, what do you want to say? And I'm just like, man, i got something really to say to you guys. And the whole 45 minutes later, I've been looking at the ground for 45 minutes, just rambling on about everything I just shared with you. All my junk, everything I've been ashamed of my whole life, rejected for. Share it, and I'm just, I'm not even, I'm just ready to get rejected. That's all I'm doing. But I'm trying to follow this voice that saved my life, right? And so it's just this desire. I just, I want to please this thing, this Jesus, man, that came into my heart and saved my life. And after I look up, every single person's crying. And one by one, they get up and they give me a hug. And I remember just receiving love in all these broken places that I had always been rejected and and there's, so there's a healing. And this is a part of a big mega church up in Sacramento. And I remember from that moment on, I was on every conference screen and all the things. I became this popular Christian dude. And I'm like, okay, God, this is all right. <laughs> uh, and I got all kinds of friends, new friends. And, and uh, like I was kind of the poster. Like, like they still have my, my bill. They, they blew up my face and put it on the, like, the front of their church building. That's still there. <laughs> and, uh, and so I became this Christian dude. I just, but I was so, I didn't really care about that. I was just like, man, I still want to just get in secret and, and talk to this man. He, he would just encounter me when I was alone with him. And it was just the love of God, the love of God, the love of God. Didn't know anything about the power of God. Didn't know anything about prophecy or what you guys believe in. <laughs> didn't know any of it. I was just growing up Baptist. I just, Jesus died for me and he loves me. And, but I started to pursue him. I started to read things like, oh, Jesus heals the sick. He casts out demons. And, 
what is that all about? Is this for today? And I wasn't sure, but I started, and I started to have this desire to be a pastor. That was the only words that I knew to be a leader in the, in the church. And, and uh, so I'll just keep it to myself, though. I didn't want any of my friends to know because I, was, I wasn't sure. You know, I was kind of afraid of doing that. And I meet this guy, and he, he's, uh, I go to this, this ministry uh, thing one night, and I meet this guy, and his name is Prophet Bob. I don't know if any of you guys know him. But I actually talked to uh, Cheryl Allen. She knows him. She talked a lot like him at the, the conference thing we had the other week, mm-hmm. the other month. And I went up to her. I was like, do you know this man? He, he talks a lot like you do. He's like, oh. She's, she said, yeah, I know him. And uh, so it was just kind of a cool thing. But anyway, I, this guy is talking about all these miracles that he's seen about a baby raising from the dead after the baby's been dead three three days and going to witches' houses and telling them that the Lord says to stop and all these crazy things and limbs grow out. I'm like, who is this guy? I'm not, I'm not. But what he was saying intrigued me. I was like, man, if God, if this God that I'm reading about is real, this has got to be real. And so uh, afterwards he, he spoke. I got in line. You know, everybody got in line to get a word from him. I didn't even know what that meant. I just wanted to talk to the guy. And uh, I was lost in line, and he says, hey, you're a patient guy. And he looked across the room, and my sister was there with me that night. And uh, he looks across, he's like, that's your sister over there, huh? I was like, yeah, it is. He's <laughs> like, oh, I'm just getting a lot. And so we sit down, and he talks to me for about 30 minutes about what I'm going to do with my life, everything that I've done, everything that was in my heart about being a leader. Mm-hmm. And, but he looks at me with sober eyes. I've never had this before. He says, Josh, God's calling you to be a messenger to a whole generation but it's going to cost you everything. And I remember the weight of the cost just really hitting my heart in that moment. And he said it like three times. He says, it's going to cost you everything. You're going to pick up a ton of poop and you're going to serve everybody. And I remember the weight. I just felt the weight of it. And I remember as we were wrapping up and I was just just feeling really sober that night. His 10-year-old daughter came up to me afterwards and uh, she comes up to me and she says, hey, by the way, there's going to be healing between you and your dad tonight. Mm-hmm. I didn't even know what that meant. I didn't think. I said, she's young. She probably's not hearing correctly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, whatever. And so I start driving home. And all of a sudden, that song, I Can Only Imagine, comes on. And, dude, that song has been with me since my whole I remember listening to it with my mom in the car on the way to school. And, dude, I just start feeling the pain that my dad's felt for years. And I just start weeping and weeping and weeping. And it was about midnight that night. And I go up to my dad. He's always watching TV late at night. And I go up to my dad and I say, Dad, I forgive you for everything you've ever done to me. Jesus loves you so much. And I love you, man. I want to start, you know, working on our relationship. And he just starts weeping and weeping. And my dad's a, you know, pretty tough guy. He's not not a crier. And uh, he says, you have no idea the guilt that I've carried for 20 years for what I've done to you. And he looks at me, he's like, every time I would go to the pole, there would be a loud voice in my head yelling at me to stop, but I figured I was too far down the rabbit hole to stop. Mm-hmm. And I just remember in that moment, there was just a moment of healing. And it was the, you know, the 10-year-old was right. She was hearing something. <laughs> huh? And uh, but so, and then after that, I start to go, I would pray for people. So about, I want to say probably a couple months later, I'm in Taco Bell, and I used to make all these Instagram videos to, to inspire people. I thought I was the greatest. 
And uh, I'd make all these, you know, to just encourage people's day and whatever. And these, uh, these little, uh, not little, but freshmen, you know, freshman people would message me on there and they'd be like, they'd be like, man, the Bible's my favorite fictional book and all that stuff. And uh, I was like, whatever, you know, Jesus loves you. And then about a couple months later, they messaged me. They're like, hey, I'm actually really uh, interested in hearing about Jesus, man. Like my life's kind of falling apart. My parents divorced, you know, can we talk? I want to bring some of my friends too. So I was like, yeah, let's meet at Taco Bell, you know, after school. And so we, we roll up at Taco Bell. I bring one of my friends along. We sit down and talk about I think I, I got him some burritos and stuff. We just sat down and, and I just started sharing my story with him. What God's done in my life. And, you know, there's about like eight of them, eight freshmen. So they're all, you know, getting all hyper and stuff. And about four of them leave to go ride their scooters outside. And four of them stay there in tree. And about a couple minutes later, dude, there's just this intense screaming outside, like bloody murder. Like this kid just fell and broke his ankle on a scooter. And so one of them comes in and asks the, the Taco Bell lady, hey, call 911, he just broke his leg. And so everyone's freaking out. And they're, so they're all walking around, see this guy, he's just screaming bloody murder. And I remember going up to him, and it was the first time I've heard his, the voice of God is saying, hey, I want to heal his leg. I'm like, what does this mean, dude? <laughs> like, what are these Christians for real? And uh, I just, I remember just going up to his ankle and I was just like, man, can I pray for you? And he's screaming, there's no way he's answering me. <laughs> and so I just go up to his ankle and I just say, I just command you ankle be healed and the pain to leave right now in Jesus' name. And I was scared. I didn't know if this stuff worked. <laughs> and I remember all of a sudden he stops screaming and he looks at me like I'm a crazy man. He's like, you know, he looks like he's on something. And I remember, like, what's what's going on, dude? And he's like, it's healed. There's no more pain. It's like, no way. (laughs) (laughs) And, and, like, there's, like, eight of his friends are just watching the whole thing. And they're looking at me like, what the blank is going on? And he's like, it's healed, it's healed, it's healed. He's freaking out. And they're like, no, get the, you know, that, you know, all the, all the words. And uh, the Taco Bell lady comes out. She's like, 911's on the way, you know. And they're like, no, it's all good now. He's healed. This guy just prayed for him and everything's good now. And uh, so I remember that just blowing me out of the water. I was like, no way, this is real. And from that moment on, man, I couldn't leave a room without praying for somebody. Like for healing or just, I just had to pray and I got addicted to the power of God. And God, so God dealt with me there too. (laughs) But I was still, I just loved Jesus. I just wanted the, 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 everything that he had to offer and who he was. I wanted to know him in his fullness. And uh, so he pulled me out of ministry for a season after, you know, for about a year and a half, I was in the whole orphan thing, running around praying for everybody that I could see and. It was fun. I got to see some cool stuff. Uh, but I, after a while, I was like, uh, it wasn't good. You know, I, was, I wasn't in love with the Lord. I would just see yell at people. Oh, man. So, <laughs> anyway. So, we moved forward, you know, a couple months. And uh, you guys know Krista and Sean Smith? Anyway, they're, they're like evangelist, prophet people. Really cool people. Anyway, so I'm in a service, and Krista, um, she she calls me out of a, a congregation, and she starts speaking all these things about sonship and da 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 da. And her husband, you know, 
does an altar call for the, the baptism of fire. And I, you know, I was just like, man, I just want more of God. I want more of God. So I went to the altar and he prayed for me. And one thing that the, the, the Chris has said was I was about to go into a wilderness for, uh, for a season and I was going to come out empowered by the Holy Spirit, right? Just like Jesus. He went in, Holy Spirit came on him and then he came out empowered by the Holy Spirit. And, uh, that was October 28th, 2018, when she, when she called me out. And I feel like, and so in that time frame, I got a girlfriend and, and I, we were falling in love. I'm kind of rambling right now, trying to find out where we're going. But, uh, so I got a girlfriend, I'm falling in love. We're, I'm going through all this inner healing stuff, getting healed. And, and then we go, uh, I get introduced to the house of prayer. Okay, and I, I meet Zach. Zach's there that night, and Britt. And there's a couple others in there. And this is my girlfriend, we brought brought me there. And um, and I remember for the first time, I was like, man, I'm finally in a place where everybody just wants this one thing. And uh, people to do it with. You know, I'd been to a, a few ministries around the block, and some people wanted the power, some people wanted the ministry, some people wanted the stage, um, others just wanted to be in church community, and uh, I remember I, f- I finally felt this home, I was like, wow, I'm home, I'm, I'm amongst the people that just want this one thing that I've been chasing for the last five years of my life, and uh, so God just wrecked me that night. And I started just coming to the prayer room up at the hops. And they were just getting started. It was, it was uh, around January of 20, or that was actually 2019, right? I think, somewhere around there. The end, yeah, the end of 2019. And, and uh, so I started just coming to the prayer room, da 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 da. And then as I'm in the prayer room, the COVID hits, you know, 2020, and we're all like, what the heck's going on with the world? Everything shuts down. and. And the Lord just uh, really starts to get a hold of my heart. I, I, I go on these walks, you know, with the Lord. And, and all of a sudden, he asks me this question. He says, do you trust me? You know, and I knew what he was poking at. He's poking at this relationship in my life. Right. And I, it's, it's weird because I'm like, no, God, aren't we supposed to get married and do all that stuff, raise up a family and be strong in the Lord? And he's like, do you trust me? And I remember this feeling of like, wow this moment again, it's this crossroad moment, you know, where, and I, I had no idea it was the, you know, had to do with, I don't even know what I was about to say, but uh, he's like, do you trust me? And I remember just crying my eyes out, like, God, I trust you, and I'm going to keep following you, no matter the cost. You spoke to my heart, he said, son, if you don't want your life, give it to me, and so I, I, I don't have a life to, to keep to my own anymore. And uh, I just remember the pain of laying that relationship down. And it was this moment where he's like, hey, come away with me. And it was right after I got introduced to the prayer room. And so it's a perfect opportunity. The whole world's shutting down. I don't know what's happening. We break up and I'm like, hey, God, what, what do I do with my life now? Do you want me to go back to school? Do you want me, I was thinking about moving to Dallas to just run away from pain. Not realizing I'd still be in Dallas if I was there, you know. And uh, and so I'm praying. I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? Like, I just want to know you. I want to seek you. But where? How do I do that? Still going to that prayer room, but not the full uh, understanding of why I'm there. 
And he's, he just drops this vision in my heart. And he, it's me sitting in a prayer room. And he's saying, son, will you give me your 20s to sitting at my feet? And I remember it was that one thing cry just bursted up in my heart. I was like, that's all I want to do with my whole life. I want to seek you out. I want to know this man that saved me from death. That man that showed me and lavished his love on me. And so I just started going on this journey where I was like, yeah, God, I'm willing. And he spoke to my heart. He says, Josh, you've been a Martha with Mary moments. But will you be a Mary with Martha moments? And uh, I'm like, no, what about the prophet? He said, I'm going to be a messenger. You know, I'm going to go preach the gospel. And he's like, he'll still do that, man. Just, but your primary occupation being to sit at my feet and to love me. Because I'm jealous for that time and that place in your heart. And I just remember this just pain of letting everything go again. It's like, it's like he keeps shedding off the layers, you know, as we keep going. And so... So I just started, I just said yes, and we let go, I let go of the relationship, and for the next year, I've just had a broken heart, and eventually he's healed that, and, and we're on to the next year, and, and so I've just been in the house of prayer for the last year and a half, which isn't long for a lot of you guys in here, you've been here the last 15 plus years, and that's why I was like, man, what do I have to say to these people? But, uh, but after even a year and a half, I'm, I'm in that room, you know, a, a lot of the days, and I'm thinking to myself, what am I doing? Especially this last three months. I've just been like, what am I doing with my life? I'm sitting in a room, there's the same people, same five, six, eight of us, you know, the same people on the guitar, and same songs. You start to get used to all the songs, and I'm like, man, what am I doing? 23? And I'm sitting in this room talking to somebody that I can't see, can't feel anymore. Feelings were great at first. I loved them. But like I was, I, so that's the wrestle I've been in the last, you know, four or five months is what am I doing with my life? And finally, there was a night, it was a Thursday night. Um, I was there from, you know, like 12 hours that day. It was a pretty long day. And I remember it's, it's time to leave. It's midnight. And I'm walking out of the prayer room, and God says, hey, and I haven't heard his voice for like a month. And finally, he's like, hey, will you stay five more minutes? But man, that voice has compelled me. And I'm like, you know, God, yes, I want to follow that voice. Wherever it leads me, I want to follow you. And so I stay five more minutes, and I just go down, man. It was just like, and that song, Do It Again, came on, and. And as, you know, walking around these walls, I thought by now they'd fall. Um, but it, what it was is he took me into this vision, and Mary, Mary, the one he asked me to be like, she's, she's leaning over the balcony of heaven, and she's shouting at me. She's saying, it's worth it. It's worth every moment. It's worth every tear. I've seen his face. It's worth it. And I've been asking the question for the last four months. I'm like, Mary, what did you feel like after you poured your whole 401k on Jesus' feet and Judas says you just wasted it all? I mean, was there any temptation in there to believe what Judas said? And that's what I've been asking. Like, did I waste everything? Did I give it all up for nothing? That's where I've been at the last, you know, few months, and I'm, maybe it's going to be longer. <laughs> but... Uh, but then he gives me that vision, and I'm like, it just spurs me on to go one more day. Awesome. I 
like, yes, I'm going to do it. It's going to be worth it. And I have a feeling we're not going to really know the significance of the day-to-day until we get in heaven. But I have a feeling that it's going to be just the, the way he looks at us that's going to make it all worth it in the end. Just the sight of his face knowing you gave everything. Your whole 401k, your kids, your wife. I was just reading in, in uh, Mark or something. He says, for those of you that give up your kids, your, your family, your house, everything you have for the sake of the gospel and for him, you're going to you know, have a bunch in this life and the life to come. I'm totally butchering it, but that's the gist of it. And... Uh, And so I guess, I, you know, I, I don't really have a good way to end it. But uh, I just really feel like the Lord's asking me, like, is, is it worth it to you to show up one more day? Mm-hmm. You know, is it worth it? Is, it? is it worth that one thing desire that you gave your all to, even after all the feelings have faded away? And, mm-hmm. and all the, you know, I'm at the point, like, even the things that I want in life, you know, the things that I'm contending for and the promises... Uh, I'm like, man, even if that came to me right now, I still don't know if I'm going to be satisfied. Because I just feel like he's expanded my heart in such a way where I'm like, that won't even do it anymore. I need a touch from heaven. And it's got to be more than tears. It's got to be more than a good quiet time. I need the substance of heaven to come and consume my heart. And But he, he says to me, blessed are those who are hungry. I don't like being hungry. It hurts. Yeah. And he started to consume me with this hunger that hurts. Yeah. And But I guess, he, I, I don't know if it's this age or the age to come, he says you're going to be filled, right? Mm-hmm. And I have a feeling all those, as Jim's been talking about, a lot of that's for heaven. Wow. So I'm like, man, if we can just waste our, I, I was reading this Lou Engle book the other day, and he's like, I don't want to just rust away, but I want to waste my body away, you know, for the sake of him. And there's a part of me that just wants to, you know, I, I read that and I was like, yeah, I want to waste away. Like my in fasting and prayer, like he's like, yeah, you're gonna jack up your intestines, you're gonna jack up your whole digestive tract, but are you willing to waste your whole life at his feet? You know, and I'm and I'm 23, right? We got hopefully 60 years left. I'm like, man, yeah, I'm gonna give my intestines for you, Jesus. <laughs> you know? But you know, there's a healthy way to do it as well. So, no, you know, some of that's not good to listen to. Um, so, anyway. So, I mean, that's about all. That's my story, and uh, I hope that it encourages us, and I just want to pray pray us out, and then we'll go into some, if the worship team wants to come up, and we'll go into some intercession here. But, Father, I just thank you, Lord, for, for who you are. I thank you for your faithfulness, even in our question marks, Lord, even in the times where we're like, God, is it worth it? And I thank you for your consistent confirmation along the journey, Father, those breadcrumbs that you give us. To keep saying yes to you, Father. I'm asking in this house tonight, Father, you'd strengthen us on our inner man. That you'd release a fresh fire in our hearts. To say yes to you one more day. One more day, Father. That we would give you our yes. Again, our weakness. Father, help us to love you. Father, deliver us from the American dream. Deliver us from our own desires and our own dreams, Father. Get us caught up with the reality that's in your heart for us to know you. To hunger and thirst for righteousness. Lord, I'm asking that you would give us a fresh desire. That one thing desire, that Psalms 27 for reality. God, I'm asking that you would tattoo it on our hearts again. 
And I pray, Lord, that, that, that you would encourage our hearts just as, just as we've just heard, Lord, what you've done, your faithfulness to us, Lord. Remind us of who you've been to us in our past, that we would remember who you are, Lord. I pray that we wouldn't lose sight of who you've been to us, your faithfulness throughout the ages, throughout all of eternity, Lord. Thank you for your faithfulness tonight. Thank you for your kindness. The way that you continue to woo our hearts towards you. Father, call us closer. Draw us near. Just feel I'm in a group of people that just want to be near to your heart. Jesus. That's it, Lord. Yes. That's all we want, God. We've given up everything. We've poured it at your feet, Father. There's probably more that we don't even know about God. For now, Lord, we just want to know your heart. And we'll give up everything, Father. And for those of us that are holding on to anything in the room tonight, Lord, give us grace to let it go. To let go of everything that so easily entangles the extra weight, Lord. The things that we've been dragging on for years and decades even. I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you begin to speak to our hearts tonight. We want to let go of everything. You say in your word, if you want to be my disciple, you must first deny yourself. Pick up your cross and follow me. Father, help us to follow you. Give us strength to our weary soul. Father, you say you give strength to, to the weary. So here we are, Lord. We wait on you. Here we are, Lord. We watch and we pray. I'm asking, Lord, that you'd come and cause us to mount up on wings like eagles. You give us strength, Lord. You give us a fresh passion and a fresh fire on our hearts tonight. Just admit, I just confess, Lord, we're, we're tired. We're tired of praying. We're tired of showing up to the same room. Encounter our hearts like you did years ago months ago decades ago encounter our hearts Lord we want you draw us near Lord in Jesus name thank you Josh that was amazing thank you so much for sharing your story um atmosphere a lot 
you go underwater and you're actually immersed and you don't feel anything but you're you're more immersed in God than you ever have been and so I share that because you do get to that place where you just you are accustomed to this atmosphere and um, you don't feel like you used to but you're actually in a deeper place and um, yeah there's another analogy that the Lord gave me when I was also going through a similar place where um, it's also a place of, of darkness to your soul where you just you're like where are you God kind of place and um, the analogy that he gave me was through a book dark night of the soul and um, the analogy is the sun it's like you're looking straight into the sun <laughs> and when you look straight into the sun you go blind <laughs> you know but the Lord is like no I've never been so near my light is pouring into you it's being infused into you and you don't even know what you're getting to you it's all darkness you don't see you don't feel and yet, the Lord gave me hope in that picture. Oh, he's right here. And he's actually closer than he's ever been. And he's pouring his light into me, even though I have no, uh, I have nothing. I don't know what that means or what that, you know, it's not a feeling. <laughs> it's just a knowing that God is good and he's, he's He's actually infusing more of himself into me, but I just, I have no knowledge of what that, how that pans out, you know, what that looks like in the future or now. Um, but I just give you those pictures because over the years, those are a couple of the pictures that he's given me and that do you trust me is real. It's like, do you trust me, you know, in this place where you can't feel and you don't know and you don't know what it means or how it's going to pan out or what it looks like or any of those things. Um, but he draws so near. And I think, you know, he's doing the deep work in our hearts. And that deep work is, I want to make you look like my son. I want to transform you so that you will be little Christ. You know, you will be Christ to your neighbor, Christ to the world. But that comes with like a price and it's, it is... It is letting God do what He wants to do. It's that transformation of your inner man, and it is um, a deep work. It's a deep work, and it's not something you can put your finger on. You don't get it in a prayer line. You don't get it by, you know, um, a zap of the Spirit. I mean, you might get something from the Lord in a zap, but this is more of a deep, deep thing that happens over time. He's literally transforming your heart you know you go into the cocoon like the butterfly and you liquefy you know the co cocoon for a butterfly there's nothing of the caterpillar that does not get liquefied it don't no their little antenna don't turn into the butterfly antenna they go into that cocoon and it's total liquefaction and they come out a completely new creature that flies that's what the Lord is doing in us. And you have no idea what's happening in that cocoon. You're liquefied. You know? When you're liquefied, what do you have? You know? You just, you don't have anything. But God's going to birth then out of that cocoon. He's going to birth himself 
out so that he can live his life again through you. So, um, so Lord, I just pray. I just want to pray for Josh and I want to pray for those who are giving themselves to the Lord in the place of prayer and that is particularly in the house of prayer. Um, Lord, we just, we just come before you, God, and we have nothing. We have zero, Lord. We are completely bankrupt. But we just present ourselves to you. And Carla was singing it beforehand, too. It's like, I present to you my body as a living sacrifice. That is the, what I, what the most reasonable thing I can do is present myself to you. A living sacrifice. That is all that we can do in light of the cross. Is give everything. We present our bodies as living sacrifices. So Lord, we just today, right now, we want to give you everything. Lord, we want to present ourselves to you, whatever it looks like. Even when we can't feel you. Even when we're in the dark. Even when we don't, when it feels like I'm wasting my life. What's going on? All of those things, they're just... They're so real, and yet, Lord, you're, you're right there. You're right there, and you are so pleased with the life given over to you. Thank you, Jesus. And we're going to go ahead and go into some worship. I just invite you to just continue to press into God. Oh, 